I'm Joe. Welcome to the Cabal Podcast. And I'm Kale. What are we going to talk about today? I've <laughs> been working on a Cauldron article related to House Bill 6 and Larry Householder. Oh, Larry. What is the article about? Summarizing the stuff that happened mm-hmm. and the trial up to today. Is he... I, he got charged. It's not. Yeah, he's. It's a federal court. Okay. Battle in Cincinnati. I knew that. I just didn't know if he was like actually charged in the case yet. But what? It's just like it just it really baffles me. Why is that? I. We all know that the Ohio GOP is. One of the most corrupt institutions in the world. Yeah, it is extremely corrupt. Um, but the amount of money, what, $60 million, right? $60 million to householder. To only householder? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was in total to it's, like every candidate. It, or I'm almost positive it's just a householder. Wow. In, in exchange for reoccurring bailouts... Yeah, for it was for coal plants out of state, but also one of the nuclear plants in the state, right? Yeah, first energy plants. Okay. Because one of them, Perry Nuclear, is where I'm from in Lake County and like 20 minutes away from where I live. Is that the one that gives money to the local high school and that high school is like scary, insane, like really, really developed? Yeah, the... um. Perry High School, so the the property tax that comes from the nuclear plant has allowed that entire school district to have a ton of amenities, which is great. That's great. They have a swimming pool. They have state-of-the-art facilities. But now you're running into a problem where, one, the power plant that helps fund your schools is owned by a company that was caught bribing our politicians, but also... And it's a conversation that no one has really had within the county is like, what happens when one day the nuclear plant does close? What happens to hundreds of jobs in Perry, but also the school district? It's, it won't close. It won't close. Because of <laughs> $1.3 billion in bailouts from the state. Did they repeal the bill? No, we're still paying for it. Okay. That's oh, that's awesome. The Ohio taxpayers are still paying for it. That's really awesome actually, cuz I personally love paying for uh bribing our elected officials in the state. And they're the namesake of the Brown Stadium. That's true. First you Energy know, Stadium. When the whole scandal broke out, I know I can't remember what the city councilman's name was, but they did want to force first energy to sell the property rights or not the property rights the naming rights to the stadium yeah or somehow make the city take over the stadium go back to brown stadium again so a bunch of names have come up in the in the trial itself like who my congressperson mike carey mike carey ohio 15 i think uh one of dewine's aides came up i remember reading about that a few months ago it's it's crazy how 
it blew up into this national scandal because I remember before everyone found out, oh, it's a bribery racket. Um, in Lake County, people were, you know, the debate over what happens to the nuclear plant had been ongoing for years. No one knew what to do. And now we're at this point. I remember in Columbus, like, it was, HP6 was, like, a big deal. And the the petition to overturn it, like, to have a referendum to overturn it, mm. was also a big deal. And I didn't know until recently that First Energy and a bunch of, like, fake interest groups and PACs run by First Energy had a hostile anti-petition campaign. I remember that. I had no idea. Because... Um, I hate to keep talking about myself, but <laughs> when I was in community college, when they were passing around those petitions, um, there was one person from, I can't remember what petition they were circulating, but it was against HB6. And uh, canvassers from, I think it was called Generation Now, or whatever the group was that was established yeah. for HB6, um, there was like 10 canvassers on our campus and they were everywhere. They were everywhere. And a lot of, I don't even know what they're collecting signatures for. They were just asking you to sign a paper and they were, um, I don't want to, they weren't harassing her, but they were following the one canvasser around. I actually talk about that stuff in the article I'm writing. It's, it's, there were two, uh, petitioners, I guess, um, in Ohio, that were physically assaulted uh, for circulating the petition. Um, and the, the uh, anti-petitioners would also have a fake petition to essentially, like, confuse people and be like, well, well if, would you like to sign this petition? Mm-hmm. And they would be like, oh, I already did. And then they wouldn't sign the, the, the actual HB6 petition. See, when um, when they were passing around the petition, the real one, in uh, Lake County, a lot of people wouldn't sign it because they thought they were trying to shut down the nuclear plant, when that's not actually true, you know. I think the title of one of the petitions I was looking at earlier today was uh, Prevent foreign ownership of our uh, energy facilities or something like that. It's just insane. I don't... It's it's still... It's just still so crazy to me. It's a lot of money, too. It's a ton of money. I don't even know... I mean, I know First Energy is one of the largest utility providers probably in the country, but definitely in the state. If not, probably one of the sole utility providers in the state but um just that amount of money is still like hard to comprehend first energy also already admitted to using money to influence householder and other like top tier republicans in the state Mm. and they already pay they already paid uh like 230 something million dollar billion dollars one of them in damages so i don't I don't know 
how much longer the householder trial is going to take, but I feel like it's pretty open and shut. It, it seems pretty open and shut. I mean, you already have a lot of the evidence laid out after, mm. you know, what, past four years that this has been going on, I want to say. Uh, I think HB6 passed 2019, and yeah. then the petition stuff was 2019, 2020, and then federal c- prosecutors said that they're pressing charges in June of 2020. So it all happened really fast. Yeah. And, a, like, it's still recent, but a lot longer ago than I thought. The The one thing that really bothers me is that, of course – all these people should be held accountable, especially Larry Householder and First Energy. But um, there still seems to be no proactive like legislation in the future to prevent things like this from happening, but also people not realizing the, the core of the issue is the fact that our utilities are privately owned by i it might be at most four companies in the state and the regulation of them is light at best but they're also like afraid essentially of transitioning to green energy oh yeah because then they're they're sol Mm -hmm. and then you get stuff like dewine saying that fracking is clean energy that natural gas is clean energy yeah which uh i'm pretty sure the state of ohio does say that green that natural gas is considered green energy i just don't respectfully i disagree respectfully i disagree respectfully and we all know why they said it It it's for money i feel there should be maybe a little more i don't want to seem like jim jordan-esque about this but should just be more oversight from the the house and uh like four members of the house like investigate everybody all at once at the same time every single member of the house i mean there's only 99 of them you could do it you could do it obviously i'm joking but (laughs) you could do it it's not impossible What else you want to talk about, Joe? Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley 2024. Yeah. The uh, person that's going to definitely come in like fourth in Iowa. To who? All right. Who do you, who you got winning you Iowa? Got, okay. As it stands now of February 22nd, 2023. Donald Trump wins Iowa. Okay. Ron DeSantis second. Okay. I want to say, like, I'm between Pence and Pompeo coming in a very distant third. So you don't think that moderates have a grip on Iowa? No. They do not. At least not in a Republican primary electorate. Okay. Okay. Um, it makes sense. But, yeah, I think Donald Trump will win. I think Ron DeSantis will come in a close second by, like, maybe five points or so. Distant third, Mike Pence and Nikki Haley probably clocking in around 2%. Throw Chris Sununu in there. Where do you think Chris Sununu would be? If 
he says he's running. Probably after Haley. Damn. I mean, I think, I think personally that a moderate, like New England Republican, like Larry Hogan or Sununu, um, could beat Joe Biden. I think that's possible, but I don't think they can win a Republican primary. Regardless of if Trump is in the picture or not, that party is going to be right wing for a, a, a long time. Long time as in maybe two. next presidential cycle or maybe two presidential cycles. So that's that's almost a decade. I would say a decade. So like two presidential cycles. Because I think voters, one, will start realizing this is not working, but also you know, to be quite frank, as older members of that party start to pass on, I think you'll see more younger Republicans who, you know, aren't as conservative as uh, boomer Republicans or, I mean, even like Gen X Republicans as they start making up more of, of the primary electorate. I think we will, you know, one day see more moderate, like Rockefeller conservative Republicans getting nominated so you think that when gen z makes up most of the electorate or a bigger chunk of the electorate than what we do that the the culture war stuff will be over and it will be back to boring politics i mean i don't think politics will ever be boring again you're, you're a poli sci major i am it's never gonna be boring it's never boring for me we're, we're nerds but it's okay but um yeah, I mean, you know, even conservative Gen Z voters who, sure, they probably hold more conservative views on abortion or LGBTQ issues than liberal Gen Z voters, but I don't think the majority of them are as obsessed with trans people, you know, culture war stuff as older boomer and gen x um republican voters are well like george santos is he's not gen z but he's closer to us than say trump and dude dressed in drag and yeah is openly gay and you know what good for him and i wish you know i'm biased i'm i'm a democrat i want to win i want my team to win but radical this, partisanship yeah my radical partisanship is showing right now <laughs> but you know for the greater good of like the country it's probably best that parties disagree on economic issues and don't want to totally like go crazy on cultural issues because debate's good debate's good you know Sorry to sound like a moderate, but um, I, <laughs> I think a lot of good comes from compromises, at least on economic issues. Now, there's certain things I don't think you should compromise on, like people's rights. But, yeah, I think for the foreseeable future, at least until like 2030, the Republican Party will still be pretty far right. It's safe to say that's your opinion for the state of Ohio as well? Like the GOP in Ohio? Oh, yeah. I mean, state state politics is weird and how, like, state parties work. But, I mean, yeah. There's no – there has been no indication that the Ohio GOP is going to stop 
introducing insane gun laws that nobody likes. Or wrapping, banning middle-of-the-road protected bike lanes into the transportation budget. Something else that they do. It's, it is, and I don't even mean this as a joke. It's like the state legislator just hates people that live in the city. Yeah, 100%. They hate people that live in cities. They hate Cleveland. They hate Columbus. Cincinnati isn't in Ohio. It's in Kentucky. Yeah. They also put chili on spaghetti, but that's for another day. I guess we could we could try to get a cauldron podcast just bashing Skyline and Cincinnati. You could write a report on that. Yeah, I could. But, like, and it's not it's not like, you know, the rural-urban divide. Not, like, people. I mean, like, I think that a lot of elected officials do not like people that live in cities because they view them as, like, hippie, liberals, whatever. They don't fit my view of how, you know, things are. So, Which is why they do stuff like trying to ban protected bike lanes that are in the middle of the road. I feel like it's just out of spite. It is. They know that urbanites and Democratic voters and left-leaning individuals want – Middle of the road protected bike lanes, and just f you guys. We're gonna ban them just for for fun. There's really like no logic behind it either. Just that, yeah, no, we don't like you. It just for for context, the what they're talking about. You have a four lane road, and in the middle are two bike lanes. One going one direction, one going the other direction with like sidewalks and trees and plants on either side of the bike lanes dividing the road. And it's to keep the cyclists safe because I mean ask ask any one of these Ohio Republicans that want to just ban it. Would you rather be walking on the sidewalk and have to move because of a bike or would you rather them have their own place? They would rather them not. They'd rather them be in a car. They would rather them be in a personal vehicle that just happens to be a Ford F450. That gets 10 miles to the gallon. On diesel. uh, (laughs) Uses leaded gas. Oh. Leaded. Start putting that back in there. That'll be next. (laughs) Just the reintroduction of leaded gasoline? Yeah. I mean, you know, you have vinyl chloride, possibly in groundwater in East Palestine. Um, Algae, toxic algae blooms in the western part of the lake invasive carp invasive carp um and basically the gutting of the state epa over the last that's also true you know what couple decades yeah a couple decades since Kasich. but decades since Kasich. it's been eight years eight years wow wow well no yeah Oh, five, I guess. Just in general, since the since Nixon was president and EPAs were established throughout the country, almost immediately they've started they've just started getting gutted. Federal level and state level. I think it really started to ratchet up during Obama's presidency. There's all of the reasons why, you know, people disliked Obama. Um but you know, like the do you remember the WOTUS rule, Waterways of the United States? No. It was just an extension of the uh, 
the Clean Water Act, and it just added new bodies of water that were protected under it, and Republicans and other special interest groups immediately went on the offensive saying, ah, Obama's going to protect the puddle in your driveway, and you can't get rid of it. Maybe not verbatim, but quite literally, there was ads saying, Obama's protecting puddles, when really he's protecting streams that feed into larger rivers of where cities get their water from. Right. There's somebody I look up to, I'm not going to say their name, but somebody I look up to and like spend a lot of time with and respect very much. Registered Republican. And he told me that he didn't vote for Obama the first time, but he voted for him the second time because he didn't like the way that the GOP treated him. He didn't like the way Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan treated Obama and the way that the press treated Obama. That's one of the things. Another thing, do you remember that class we took was Stack, and he showed the ad where they were, or not ad, this is the video where they were walking up and down the street and saying, do you prefer Obamacare or the Affordable oh, Care Act? yeah, yeah. And everybody said the Affordable Care Act. They're the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, I, it, it's just really wild, you know, like you said about your, that person. You know, just like the vitriol and like hatred that Obama faced and how it's, it, it's been eight years since Obama's been president, almost. And like you still see effects from what the GOP turned into while Obama was in office still, you know, like permeating throughout the Republican Party today. Yeah, Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I mean, they're still hung up on Obamacare. They, they literally still are hung up about something that has benefited millions of people and is settled law. It's someone sometime, like a, a professor here, I forget who it was, said that things like, programs like Obamacare, Medicare, Medicaid, benefit people in red states almost more than it benefits people in blue states. Mm-hmm. But it's people in red states that want to get rid of it. Because, you know, I'd rather pay $2,000 for a dentist appointment than absolutely nothing. Well, it's just the way, you know, I'll give Republicans credit. Their, uh, their misinformation campaign about the Affordable Care Act was fantastic. It worked, partially. I mean, not in the long run. But in terms of, like messaging you have people that don't even know that they benefit from obamacare that hate obamacare correct i understand maybe complaining about like the individual mandate which was like if you don't have health insurance you need health insurance or whatever it was but circling back you brought up east palestine and i just want to rant real quick Go ahead. People across the country, across the state, for one, and then people across the country, amplified by the crazies, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, are saying they're upset that Biden went to Ukraine and Poland this past week instead of East Palestine, Ohio. They're upset that Pete Buttigieg just announced today or yesterday that he's coming to East Palestine, Ohio. When 
immediately, Biden called DeWine and said, if there's anything you need, let me know. And there's a video of DeWine talking to us, Ohioans, saying that I haven't called him back. I don't. You guys are upset that somebody on your team isn't doing what he's supposed to do. But that's not what they're complaining about. They're complaining about Biden. It's always really, like, it's always easy to blame the president for things, right? If Joe Biden went to East Palestine, I'm sure they would have found something to complain about. I, I'm I'm sure of it. But it's also really weird, you know, why can't, one, Joe Biden visiting an active war zone takes a lot of logistical planning. And I'm just saying. I heard they even told Putin that yeah. Biden was going to be there. So he wouldn't bomb the place. But um, as I was saying, like, they can do multiple things at once. I don't know if Joe Biden has announced that he's going to be visiting East Palestine. I would. I, I hope he does, of course. I, I hope he visits the town. But it is kind of ridiculous to be mad at the president for doing presidential things, like meeting with an ally that's fighting against, um, that's fighting a defensive war against um, Russia. You know, and I saw also on Twitter Marco Rubio and um, Pete Buttigieg were actually going back and forth on Twitter. I thought it was stupid in general. I hate it when politicians use Twitter, especially when they're quote-tweeting each other multiple times throughout the day. But um, I really hate the blame game. I don't, I don't care whose fault it was. Uh, you know, what I care about is that, is there water safe to drink, and how do we prevent it from happening in the future? A lot of people are talking about Obama-era proposals about uh, braking systems on trains, especially trains that are carrying chemicals and stuff that the Trump administration backed out of. Mm. And a lot of I've seen a lot of people blaming Biden and Congress for the rail strike. They said if they if they let the rail workers strike, then this wouldn't have happened. But I don't think that that would have been the case. I It probably still would have happened. I mean, to be completely honest, I still don't know what caused the derailment. I don't know if it was a braking issue on the train itself or if it was an actual track issue. But, um, you know, realistically, if the strike wasn't broken and whatever happened maybe a better contract was negotiating that that included better safety protocols it's it's the government it's a company it still wouldn't have been implemented for probably months yeah and it's only been it's when did the derailment happen late january early february i want to say like two or three weeks ago yeah so that would have been a month and a half after the strike would have started yeah they probably, I mean, honestly, if the government didn't step in, then they probably would have still been on strike. Yeah, which is like, you know, really bizarre. It's like grasping at straws to try to blame whoever you don't agree with. Right. About 
what happened. And um, maybe this plays into what you just said, but I feel like if there is some sort of disaster or there is some sort of ecological problem, stuff like that, it's Democrats pointing fingers at Republicans, Republicans pointing fingers at Democrats, but the problem is Norfolk Southern. The problem is BP. The problem is not for East Palestine, but stuff like that. The problem, and I will go off on a tangent on this one, is the fact that our rail system is privately owned. Please continue. I agree with you. I've heard this rant. I want you to keep going. The rails, one, I cannot remember under which president it was, but during one of the world wars, he nationalized the entire rail system, the, the tracks themselves, right? Because it was seen as a far too important industry and infrastructure to be left to the free market, which is totally correct. After that, rail was reprivatized, and that's the system that we've operated under since, since then. I'm talking, like, probably since the 40s. And whenever I hear people complain about Amtrak or passenger rail and how bad it is in this country, it's not because of the government. It's not because that Amtrak sucks or whatever. The reason why Amtrak trains uh, depart at like 1.30 in the morning is because freight companies that own the track that Amtrak has to run on deprioritizes passenger rail and the Amtrak trains leave whenever there isn't freight coming through, which is not how it works in quite literally the rest of the world. But this is America, Joe. This is America. This is America. We have freedom and, you know. You're sounding like a commie. And the heart attack grill in Las Vegas would not be the same if we had a train that ran from Buffalo to Chicago. Because that would be communism. That it, that would be That would communism. be literally 1984. This is a headline from Wall Street Journal that just popped up. Ohio train derailment misinformation is hurting East Palestine, railroad CEO says. He's com- he said, I don't like that people are calling it Chernobyl light. He doesn't like that people are rightfully wondering if their water is actually safe to drink. See, what's funny, we live in a time where I don't know what's true and what's not, for the most part, on social media. Yeah. I trust some news outlets, and I trust sometimes too much. I trust the government. But um, you scroll through TikTok, and you see this, this, there's this video. This person's like, don't drink the water in East Palestine. And they made coffee, and they poured milk into it, and it sizzled. Yeah. I don't know if that has to do with the water. I don't. It could, but I don't know. And the problem is people circulate that and like i was raised to just not trust anything that's not true but i was raised to question things yeah and but i know as a fact most people weren't so when they see that they repost it they share it they send it to people and they're like oh my god the water's causing milk to boil and i'm like i don't 100 percent know if that's true well people and i've seen it on my you know like twitter and told and tiktok as well but you know, I I don't want to downplay the severity of East Palestine, but like 
you know, there's been people in like far away from where the derailment happened that are like, oh, the ground has oil. They don't say it's oil, but the ground is like rainbow. It looks like a rainbow in the melting runoff snow. And I'm like, that's, that's gasoline and oil from a car. And people will still reshare that and think, oh, it's from East Palestine. We um, we were driving home down 71 to Columbus, and we were we drove past the Akron exit and stuff started to smell, and we were like, "Oh, it's it's East Palestine. It's a trail derailment." Like, we're nowhere close, but it was a joke. But it really is like, it's so wild that we live in the time where we have to like joke about horrific ecological disasters. I noticed that it smelled like sewage the other day and i'm like oh shit oops it it it's from it's vinyl chloride it's from the train it's from east palestine and it really does like just show how like i don't i don't know if it's hysteria or what but just how like social media just like really amplifies people's like fears about things well another thing there was a train derailment north of lima mm-hmm. uh this past weekend. And I was at home and I was like, another train derailed because I read the headline. I just screamed it. And my mom was like, are you serious? And then I like read the article and I was like, oh, it was two cars. They came off the track, blah, blah, blah. And then my dad and I started talking about how this type of thing probably happens all the time. It shouldn't. There should be more safety, more updated railroad, like railroad tracks and stuff. But we should nationalize the railroad. We should nationalize the railroad. And... My dad was like, well, it's only getting publicity because of East Palestine. But then you get things like the train derailment in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Hello, Victoria. Welcome to the podcast. You come to join us. Hi. What's up? What's on your mind? What's on my mind? I don't know. If it's not SB1, I'm going to be mad. It's not SB1. Oh, okay. Is well, that- then. That's the one that. It's the bike lane one. No, that's the one that um, strips power from the state board of education and puts it into Wine's office. But you can continue, Victoria. Oh no, I just um, taking a break from ranting on my essay. Uh, it's a advocacy assignment. A letter I'm writing to actually our good friend Mike Dewine. Oh, my favorite governor. <laughs> the guy who has run for every office in existence. It feels like. But you know who beat Mike DeWine when Mike DeWine was an incumbent? I know the answer. I know the answer. Senator Sherrod Brown. The best. The greatest. The, best, the greatest. He's just a guy. He is just a guy. He's just a dude that hangs out. What are, what are our thoughts on 2024 for Sherrod Brown? I think – I actually talked to Dr. Stack about it earlier. Cause we were, the? We, the Dr. Dr. Stack. Stack. Oh. Of, Who might be a guest on this show eventually. Of the political science department at Cleveland State University. The best. Because, um, uh, you know, Senator Tester announced he was running for re-election today. And Montana is a pretty red state. But they love him. But they love they love Tester a lot. I said, but what's easier to win, Montana or Ohio? Stack said Ohio. Wow. I know. I, pr- I think it's easier for Tester. I can't explain why. That's just what I feel. But I still think Sherrod can win. 
I can see where Stack comes from because I've. What's the capital of Montana? Helena. I was gonna say Billings. I don't know. I don't know. But regardless, neither one of those two cities are even the size of Akron. No. Not even like Dayton, probably. So we got we got blue voters in Columbus and Cincinnati and Cleveland, Youngstown, Akron, Dayton. We got blue voters in Madison County in London, Ohio. There's like three of them, but... I think Sherrod wins for a few reasons. One, I think unlike, and as much as I like Tim Ryan, unlike Tim Ryan, I think Sherrod can really run up turnout in Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, which is something that Tim really failed to do. That's why he lost. But also, I think Sherrod still has a lot of appeal among suburbanites. You know, over the last few years, we keep talking about how the suburbs are shifting to democratic. Really, they're probably just becoming more purple, all in all. But I think Sherrod can still win over counties like Lake County, maybe Ashtabula, places like Trumbull. I would say that... I don't know enough about Montana, to be honest. But. I would say that I agree with you in the fact that... Um, they're becoming more purple, but I feel like it would be in like subsections. So like maybe lower income suburbs further away from the city, like mm. where I come from. Our my precinct votes real red. Yeah. So, but like a, a higher income, closer to the urban center suburb, like German Village and Columbus, mm. really dark blue. So it, it's interesting. It's weird to think about because, like, yeah, I only know Northeast Ohio. Because you have the really, really deep blue suburbs of, like, um, University Heights, pretty much all the Heights areas, um, and, like, places like Lakewood or, and whatnot. But then you go further out to places like Medina, Menor, Painesville, or, like, Elyria. Those cities... And those counties are like, some of them, I think they're just more purple. A lot of them are red. My city is not deep red, but it's voted, I think it voted for Romney, actually. So So what you're saying is we need to give them to a different country. Canada. They've had it. They've had it. They've had enough free health care for my liking. So you think that like Lake County and Menor can change the entire political system in Canada? Yeah, I would personally like to see like my neighbor become prime minister of Canada. Interesting. Interesting take. I think F it'd be funny. Fun facts about Canada. Um, they're actually one of the most impacted country currently of climate change. They are becoming one of the hottest. One of the so, hottest countries in general, or the hottest relative to, relative to climate change. Hmm. Oh, okay. See, that's Canada interesting because because the countries traditionally, I guess, the countries that have been more impacted by climate change are in the global south. Yeah. Poor, usually. It's like the flooding in Pakistan, right around COP twenty six, and stuff like that, and honestly. I don't want people's homes to be destroyed. I don't want people to be climate refugees. But if first world countries start to see the ill effects of climate change, stuff will actually change. Yeah. I mean, people have been raising the alarm since the 90s. Al Gore. Al Gore. 
My but, favorite. Um, my favorite U.S. vice president from the 90s. Things would be so much better if Al Gore would have won in 2000. Don't bring that up. Do not bring up that election. I will go on a rant, and I don't want to do that. Not for this show. It's maybe for a different show, but. But, yeah, I think you're right. Because, you know, first world countries, at least just like rich countries in Europe, North America, China, Japan, South Korea, I think European countries are more, um, they're definitely more accepting of climate change as a reality, unlike us. They're conservative parties in in Europe believe in climate change. Like uh, Boris Johnson, Mm -hmm. Conservative Party Prime Minister, he was like real big on fighting climate change. It's almost like it's science. It's almost like it's science. It's almost like it's science. It's almost like we have one party in this country that is gravitating more towards anti-science. There's one party that wants to give you health care, and the other party... uh, Are pure-blooded Americans, Joe. Are pure-blooded Americans that love the the military industrial complex until the guy with the d next to his name is in charge and then they don't you gotta fit the cookie cutter what cookie cutter what are you talking about of the gop oh i see what you're saying but yeah i think you're right like once once climate change starts flooding cities and the United States and places literally become unlivable. I think, you know, ho- you would hope that as, you know, cities are literally losing land, uh, the government would go, we should probably not burn as much coal now. Rest in peace, California. <laughs> Eventually. Just gone. It'll be gone. So, Florida. Actually, I read something, I think it's Politico said that Florida and somewhere else, I don't know, Florida was the main one to me, um, is, like, really in danger when it comes to climate change. Just the state itself. And that's funny because my mom wants to move to Florida, and I keep telling her no. Oh, no. Tell her to don't do that. She wants to move closer to Disney. Well. Move to California. Yeah, Disneyland. Also, Gavin Newsom's your governor. I love Gavin Newsom. Handsome man. It is so wild to me that Florida is so red now because of how, one, in danger the state is from climate change, but also how, I mean, Florida's a beautiful state. I mean, it's stunning. And you're putting people in charge that, like, actively want to throw sewage into the water, (laughs) which is your entire tourist base. Like, a large chunk of your economy is from people from places like Ohio going, I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe it's strategic. Get rid of the tourists. Now they're just by themselves. They can enjoy it by themselves. All that sewage. Mm. All that sewage. And the gators. And the invasive boa constrictors. So many invasive... We got Asian carp in the lake. You got giant boa constrictors... In Florida. It just, it's the actually the Invasive Species podcast is what this is. Remember murder hornets? Yeah, where'd they go? I don't know. I think I ate them all. I don't remember. They're probably here. I also want to mention that mosquitoes weren't a thing until the colonists in America. Is that, is that a fact? Yeah. <laughs> it's Are you an serious? Fact. We brought mosquitoes here? We brought mosquitoes here. From Central and South America? 
Probably. Probably. There's no mosquitoes in Iceland. There's you not mosquitoes Africa? in Iceland. Or Africa. I don't know. They originated over in Africa, and when the colonists came over, they brought the mosquitoes with them. Interesting. I'll have to fact check that. Yes, I'm going to bring up the uh, Pants on Fire rating for Victoria. Pants on Fire. Pants on Fire? Yeah. We're uh, at the 45-minute mark for this, so I guess we got 15 more minutes. Yeah. So, um, maybe a little less because of setup time. Nah, 15 more minutes. Nobody's using this room. Tell me no one's using the podcast room here. Why not? This is a great room. It's a great facility, actually. Yeah, it's I love it. Very awesome. I will be wanting to do this again. I don't it's know about hot. you guys. Oh, yeah. It is kind of it's really hot in here. It's, <laughs> yes. Personal fan next time. So in about five seconds now, we actually will be at the 45-minute mark. So we got 15 minutes. So we can do some final thoughts stuff. Do you want to do this weekly? Yeah, we could do it weekly. A weekly hour podcast where Joe and Kale and other special guests just shoot the breeze about politics. Local, state. Federal, international. International. I'm comments from the couch. Comments from the couch. Cleveland City Council's redistricting wards. Are they actually? Yeah. Uh, I think... Don't quote me on it. I'm pretty sure there's something within the city charter that says the wards have to adjust in accordance with city population after each census. There's, that seems two years behind. And I know. I just saw an article about it for the first time like two weeks ago. Three years behind. It's 2023. Well, I guess the well, some of the data was delayed because of the pandemic. Oh, uh, that's true. I don't know when the census was conducted, per se. But, but um, the city, because it lost population is either is probably losing one to two wards are being are going to be axed they'll just be absorbed into other wards you know why people are leaving the city why Cal? because of crocker park oh they're gonna say because they like columbus better or that i don't know i don't know if there's any statistics about people moving to westlake because of crocker park and people moving to columbus because it's better. the second best city in the mid actually you know what it's the best city in the midwest chicago no Actually, you know what? Chicago has public transit. Yeah, I was going to say. Better than Coda. So. But, Cleveland um, is also repurposing a lot of their structures and fields and that type of thing. They're making good effort to repurpose. Yes. Irishtown Bend is going to be a park. It's going to look awesome. They're building a bus rapid transit line nice. in Irishtown Bend. Um, Means it won't take me an hour to get there on the bus. <laughs> For reference, it's like a 20-minute walk. It's not an hour bus ride, but it's not short. But, um, like, circling back, you know, a lot – actually, a lot of the wards ha- are, are, like, in terms of the disparity between population, can be, like – I think one of the largest one is, like, 10,000 people. One of the wards has more than 10,000 people than one of the other wards. But, um, you know, one of the problems is that mm-hmm. no one really knows that this is happening. It affects funding for wards in the city. It affects neighborhoods, but also, like, representation. So – you know also how do they do it how do they do redistricting yeah do you know or are you asking i don't because no one knows there's not a lot of like publicly available information about how 
you redistrict wards in the city. See, I would say that that should be up to the state, but it's not a uniform system Mm -hmm. because, like, Columbus doesn't have wards. We have an at-large city council, and it's kind of stupid. All of them? Yes. Oh, that is kind of stupid. Because a lot of the candidates run from the wealthier parts of the city. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think maybe two cycles ago we had a uh, council member representing the south side, but since then we haven't. In the south end of Columbus, is it's in dire need of attention. How many? Excuse me. How many members are on Columbus City Council? I'm not gonna. Uh, anywhere from seven to eleven. I don't know. That's so weird. Cleveland has seventeen. So I I have a Columbus address, and I tell people I'm from Columbus, and I love the city very much. I we're not allowed to vote. Oh, for mayor or anything like that. I'm actually from the city of Obetz. And you're a nerd. <laughs> I'm sorry. You are from the city of Obetz. Who has, how many council members are there? I don't know. I know Todd Gibbs is one of them, but there's, there's, it's just gained city status from being a village. Oh, congrats. Thanks. For Obetz. I'm from Menor. I think we have, th- wait, hold on. We have five wards, so five reps. Then I think we have like four at-large members. It might be. But yeah. So how does Menor do redistricting? Since you guys do wards. Oh, I don't know. They've never. I don't think they've ever done it. Y- you know, we should bring David Elkins onto the show to talk about the difference between ward-based city politics and. Uh, at large based city politics. He teaches an urban politics class here, that's why I brought that up. I would have never thought that there's like a huge difference. It makes sense now that I think about it. Ward based politics. Hmm. You know who would be a great guest star? Joey Falcone. I would love to bring a conservative voice onto the show. I li- I know no conservative people at this college that I talk to. And I, I like genuinely I wish I did because I like talking to people about this. You stuff. know what that sounds like, Joe? Moderate? Sorting. Oh. You're sorting Good yourself. Bias, bitch. You're sorting yourself into uh groups of liberals, of leftists, of commies. Communists. Radicals. Ten men. Ten minutes left. Cause like I'm not even I'm not like trying to make a joke, I genuinely want to know how they think. Because whenever I hear, whenever I think about conservatism, I only think of the national stuff, like abortion, or like healthcare, or LGBTQ issues and stuff like that. I want to talk to a conservative and their feelings about like local politics. You know, how do they feel about ward redistricting in Cleveland, or like the RTA system? I don't want to talk about – I don't want to bring – oops. I don't want to bring somebody onto the show and just get into an argument and say something that I shouldn't say or uh, have it be non-intellectual. I want to bring somebody on and just talk to them and see where they stand on the actual stuff that matters. Yeah. Because to me it feels like the Republican Party 
mainly doesn't have a position. Like they have a party platform and I've read it and it's not good. No, it's weird. I, I, gen, I don't know what, I don't know what they stand for. It's oh. a lot of contradictions. It's a lot of culture war. It, it doesn't make sense. You can't be pro shrinking the federal government and be pro military at the same time. That's socialist right there. Your taxes pay for the military. The federal government runs the military, but you're anti-federal government. Also, you know, like, because the government has to function. It's the government. I take the view of the government should be, like, proactive in solving issues. I don't care if you call it big government or what. I think I pay taxes to it. I want it to do things that benefit everyone and me. Like, selfishly, I want it to do things that benefit me. Joe is a uh, big uh, proponent of the necessary and proper clause of Article One of the Constitution. Look, I mean, and you know, the government has to collect revenue to function. And it has always baffled me when conservatives want to increase the military budget. And it's not just conservatives. But when they want to increase the military budget year after year, while simultaneously cutting taxes, which adds on to the deficit, which seems like totally contrary to what they're supposed to believe in as conservatives. I think that a topic for a different day would be um, the rights war on education in our country. Higher education, school boards, public. banning books. I mean, I charter schools are... I'm going to die on this hill. Charter schools are dumb. They suck. They're dumb. They're terrible. And should not take priority over public schools. That's so basic. I graduated. I went to a public school. I graduated from public school. My parents both works work for public schools. My grandpa works for a public school. My aunt works for a public school. We all graduated from pro- public schools. It is a huge benefit. It is a phenomenal plus to have in our country and i didn't know this most countries don't have public school systems Mm -hmm. and that's crazy but that's a topic for another time yeah joe any final thoughts before i click the stop button nope that's all i got today victoria you want to say anything i'm good okay well uh i don't know how to wrap this up Bye. Bye, Kale. Bye, Joe.